Bottle Episode is a spirited podcast about spiritist libations. Those under their country's legal drinking age should turn off this podcast and go do their homework. Hey there, folks, and welcome to Bottle Episode, the professional bartender's guide for the cocktail enthusiast. I'm Lan. I'm a professional bartender. And I'm Elise. I am a cocktail enthusiast. We actually got it right this time. Yeah. Yeah. We And we, I think taking the, the co-host, I'm yeah. the other host. I'm uh-huh. one of the hosts. Yeah. <laughs> streamlining it. We're streamlining now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Again, I, what? Is this episode 15 we're finally, I think finally ep- getting episode it Episode 15. I, I don't know why I started throwing in the host thing. I just... I don't know. It, it felt right, but it was... Uh, it felt right to say, and then it never felt right coming out. Yeah. And I mean, we had a couple episodes to establish that we are, in fact, co-hosts. Yeah, I think it, I think in by this several point. different ways. So if you don't yeah, know that, yeah. uh, that's what we are. That is what we are. Uh, so we are here joined with uh, one of the hardest workers I've met in Austin so far, dealing doing some things that just sound nigh impossible to me uh working for a a brand that i think all three of us very much love Mm -hmm. and uh just all around solid guy thanks uh we're joined by andrew grins today hi hey hello uh you are uh austin's patron rep uh Mm -hmm. and you are just like i feel like everything you do is so so fun and like so well thought out uh and you were just talking to us about like how much you're having to do for this thing for formula one when they're coming into town and all the stuff that you're doing can you tell us a little bit about that oh yeah for like uh the partnership that we have with patron and formula one is exciting Mm -hmm. to say the least uh we're sponsoring one of the drivers for red bull so sergio perez i think he's currently in third place um very close but um and we're also a partner with the paddock club at f1 that travels around the globe for each race so as they approach austin it's a very important thing for us, and mm-hmm. we're making a big splash. We're going to be at the track with multiple activations and helping with cocktail execution um, and across town. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. No. It's also a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lot for to – I mean, I, I know it's not just – like I know you've probably got a really solid team working yeah. on everything, but it, it does sound like a lot to organize for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I have trouble you know, just with the organization of – like my small part of the organization of one bar. Uh, so like that many things going on all at once sounds yeah. uh, daunting. Well, so, you can't, I mean, you can't do that without a team. Like for I sure. am blessed to have yeah. one of the greatest teams that I've ever worked with mm-hmm. on Patron. And that, that means like globally, nationally, locally, everybody is yeah. incredible. So without that support, none of us could do it. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing. Uh, well, today we're here to talk about, obviously, tequila. <laughs> uh, we're drinking some uh, Patron Reposado in a classic cocktail. Uh, what cocktail are we talking about today? Paloma. 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 Yes. The dove. The dove. Mm. Is it true that Paloma means both pigeon and dove? I've only Spanish? heard dove, but there could be. I mean, pigeons and doves are very close. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the same family? I just saw someone <laughs> say think. they're like, are they the same bird? Because uh, like very different vibes. One is like 
the rat of the air and the other one is like so majestic. <laughs> I mean, they're also like, you know, how how word was spread throughout like World War One. I, I mean, two, that's and... true. I'm I'm really yeah. not giving they, <laughs> pigeons. Pigeons get a bad <laughs> rap, y'all. They do. <laughs> And I, doves get all the glory. They yeah, get released they at weddings. It's mm -hmm. like this beautiful white animal and that mm -hmm. flies through the air. And yeah. yeah. So start releasing pigeons at your wedding is <laughs> yeah. what we're saying. They're pretty if you look at them. <laughs> and they, they've yeah. got beautiful colors and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Or just like little, oil spill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've always been kind of, I've, I've always yeah. been kind of like interested in the, the feather patterns of, of, Pigeons. I'm not kidding about this. Like, oh, me, very, I agree like, completely. Like, I love birds. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, and I do love pigeons. They're just also like a little I mean, gross. They're a little gross, but <laughs> like in a in a cute kind of way. So is the grackle, and those are pretty cool birds too. Yeah. Talk about a like survivalist. Yeah. <laughs> here locally. Grackles are, I mean, so the first time I remember seeing a grackle mm -hmm. uh, was when we went to Puerto Rico back in like. Right before, right the, before pandemic. the pandemic, February like, before really the landed. pandemic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like things were happening, but they hadn't really hit, they hadn't the, hit US the U.S. Yet. So like January into February of 2020, we went to Puerto Rico, and we were like, "What is this bird?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> because the ones there are like pitch black. Like yeah, yeah, like the blackest black you've ever seen, mm. like Vanta black. Which to the, to that point, I looked up like. Is Vanta Black based off these birds? Crackles. Uh and it's not, but it is based off a different bird, which I thought found to be very interesting. Really? Is like yes. the most pigmented bird, like black in the or like one of the most pigmented blacks in nature. But yeah, because like here they're like they're brown, but there mm -hmm. they were like they look like Yeah, the like females little... will be like grayish brown. Yeah. And then the males are the ones with the yellow eyes and the black. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but there uh, they look like little void birds. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, the the Vanta black bird is the supreme bird of paradise, uh, and it looks oh. wild. Do those ones are those the ones that make the nest, the colorful nest, and then dance around? I think so. Yeah, but oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that one on planet Earth. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. But the ones here are, are like they sound like they sound like radio static. Or like dial-up sounds, and uh, it's a very alarm. like sharp, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, crackly. It's yeah. very interesting to get out of your car on a quiet Thursday night, uh, like walking into HEB. Uh, this is the most Texas sentence. I've ever <laughs> but on a quiet Thursday night uh, in the middle of fall, uh, like it's slightly crisp. The sun has started to go down, and all you hear is just like doo 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 from the trees. <laughs> Yeah, birds. Grackles are rad, though. I feel like some people have weird opinions on grackles, but yeah. uh, and I'm not as enthralled by the ones here as I was by the ones in Puerto Rico. They but will steal every bit of food <laughs> off your plate. Mm -hmm. Like they will try. Yes, yeah. they, yes they will. Uh, but palomas. Uh, palomas. We're not talking about so grackles. Sorry. We're talking <laughs> about doves. And by doves, we mean palomas. Uh, so, what is your favorite paloma recipe? I really like kind of a a take on the traditional one um mm -hmm. which is just like tequila little squeeze of lime and squirt or a grapefruit soda mm -hmm. but i like to add a touch of grapefruit juice too like yeah. a like maybe half ounce of grapefruit quarter ounce of lime top off with squirt mm -hmm. and i just find that it 
boosts that grapefruit element and kind of gives the the cocktail a little more body. For sure. Um, but there's something about using squirt or like Haritos or any grapefruit soda in there yeah. that just kind of makes sense to me. Um, this is delicious. The one you made. Thank you. It, it really Thanks is. Uh, yeah, I went, with, I went with. I went with an ounce of ha- an ounce and a half of tequila. Uh, an ounce of grapefruit juice, a half ounce of lime juice, and then a half ounce of simple. And then I topped that with soda. Nice. Um, I think either one is great. I think one of the cool things about the Paloma is that you can kind of kill two birds with one stone and do a grapefruit soda that like you can get rid of the simple and the grapefruit juice and the soda and have it all in one product. Totally. Uh, Which I think is actually like, especially for home home use is a really rad way to do it yeah and equally delicious uh but the paloma is great uh do we do we have like a specific like story on how this one was created sort of kind of genuinely don't know i dug into it a little bit um to refresh my memory the other day um and it's interesting i think it all began with squirt okay okay you know like it it that was developed, I think, in the like 1955, and okay. it got imported okay. to Mexico in like 1963 or something around there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. almost 10 years after it became a thing, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's really where it started. Was just organically, like people were drinking, you know, any sort of li- liquor or spirit with mm-hmm. a mixer, like Coca Cola or Sprite, yeah. um, and then this grapefruit soda came out called Squirt, and you mix that with anything, and bam, you have a cocktail that tastes new and refreshing. Um, and then they started adding some lime juice over time just to balance things out. Yeah. And there's really no histor- historical reference to a Paloma being a cocktail until like really more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. And but it, funny enough, it's actually more popular of a cocktail than the margarita is in Mexico. Hmm. Really? Here, the margarita is kind of the king of yeah. cocktails. Yeah. Um, but in Mexico, the Paloma outdoes it and mm. for me it's hard to determine which one's my favorite based on my mood or my day like i love mm-hmm. margaritas i could drink them all day long but i could also do the same with paloma mm-hmm. for sure that's like mm. i think that grapefruit juice really does or uh, like the grapefruit element however you add it really does add a dryness to the cocktail that i think at, lends itself to having more of them mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. you know that like that kind of like dry almost bitterness of the grapefruit juice yeah that that didn't like makes you thirsty again, like dries out your palate a little bit. And you're like, well, you know what? I could really go for another one of these. And like a touch of salt can be added. Uh-huh, just like uh-huh. really Are quenches your thirst. Paloma's ever brunch drinks? I mean, like, I yeah, mean, anything sure. totally could be. Sure, yeah. certainly can if be, you yeah. drink it at brunch. Oh, yeah. But like, I don't know. I feel like it would. We, we talked last time about how we were brunch like, is over, how brunch is over <laughs> and none of us do brunch anymore. But what is the best brunch drink? Um, <laughs> And I don't know. I feel like this one. I could. I could drink this with breakfast. Like it's light enough. It has like the grapefruit. Uh-huh. And people do a glass of grapefruit juice for breakfast exactly. all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I, I definitely like have have distinct memory of cutting a grapefruit in half and just putting a little bit of sugar on the top of it and uh-huh. just eating that for breakfast, um, like a lot when I was a kid. So same. Uh, this would hit the spot and like in that same way for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is there like did it get its name from any particular thing? Like, um, that dove, part I'm not sure. That cute and pretty. And yeah, it's there's like a dove. Yeah. Okay. It just became that. I I don't I that's what I mean. Like, there's not much historical reference to it. It did somehow pop up in some cocktail books, but really not until like the 90s or early aughts. And like, hmm. and then it just became Paloma. Yeah. And I can't re- remember off the top of my head which one 
it was and what was the first one, but mm-hmm. um, that was definitely already an established like call behind the bar. Um, Interesting. In Mexico, at least. Yeah. And now it's starting. I think it's creeping into the U.S. for sure. You see it yeah. almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. People, people <laughs> definitely know about Palomas. I feel like it's <laughs> like... To, I maybe to some people it's just another type of margarita. I don't know. Maybe, but you know, that's. I, I think that we have gotten pretty far afield with what a margarita can be in the U.S. To the point that like tossing some grapefruit in a co- a cocktail with tequila and lime juice and like adding a little bit of soda and that's just like a different kind of margarita. Like that's for <laughs> totally. for, for like. You could put that on a menu and be like grapefruit margarita, and that would be everybody would be like, yeah, all over it, buying it, probably more than if you just called it a Paloma, yeah, like honestly. (laughs) But I think it's like more in line with the DNA of a highball, though. Yeah, I agree. It's just you know a sparkling modifier added on top of a spirit with a little bit of lime juice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't even really recommend shaking this one. Uh, I mean, you certainly can if you want to, but I think that this is like. This has all of the this screams built uh, built cocktail to me. Absolutely, you know, yeah. just put some ice in your glass, put your tequila, your lime juice, your grapefruit juice, your simple, or your tequila, and cut out all those middlemen, yeah. your grapefruit soda, and you've got yourself a beverage, mm-hmm. which is nice to make at home too. So Agreed. then you don't have like a million strainers to clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just squeeze later. a lime and you're mm-hmm. pretty much good to go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think, and you you kind of when I mentioned. And I was like, what what classic tequila cocktail do you want to co- talk about? But just so you know, the margarita's already taken. Yes. <laughs> uh, you, you were like, we, we kind of had this short conversation about how, uh, how there aren't that many tequila cocktails out mm-hmm. there, especially in like the, the classic cocktail ethos. Of course, there are tons of tequila cocktails out there at this point, but not... Not ones that are like, oh, this classic tequila cocktail, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is interesting. Uh, I, and I'd love to know more about your thoughts about that. I was like, I wanted to talk to you more about it in the moment. And then I was like, no, we need to save this for the yeah. podcast. Or, totally. or like, yeah. I guess, like, let's say we had already had a Paloma episode. Like, what what cocktail would you have picked? I mean, that's that's the trouble. Like, if you're looking at classics, because yeah. typically we think of classics like probably before, you know, 1950 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think the reason being is because tequila didn't really get its like denomination of origin or its namesake till the seventies. Mm-hmm. So for tequila to be in a classic cocktail book, there wouldn't they wouldn't know that. Like yeah. that wouldn't be a th- it wasn't a mm-hmm. thing yet. Like gin and uh, yeah. brandy and cognac and you know yeah. Um, I mean, even the margarita was was just a daisy, and you know mm-hmm. margarita means daisy. So like they just were making daisies, but with tequila. Yeah. And that's how the margarita came to be. Yeah. Uh, so I I think tequila has this long history of being a sub in for other drinks and just being like, let's see what this tastes like totally. with, with tequila. Yeah. Um, there is. I mean, there is another one. And I mentioned this before, but the, the Batanga um, and that was that's born in tequila. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also kind of more of a modern classic. And it's it literally is like if you take the same cocktail we were just talking about of a Paloma and take out the grapefruit soda and add Coca-Cola. Um, mm. it's, was made famous at a little bar called La Capilla okay. in the town of Tequila. And, uh, like it, it, it's a bar that's on the world's top 50 list. And nice. when you go there, it's amazing. It's just this that's little, awesome. it, it's really cool. Highly recommended if you're in Tequila, stop by La Capilla. Um, cause it's just a fun atmosphere. 
but get a batanga. It's going to be a lot of tequila. They're going to cut the lime with a knife, juice it into the glass, and then fill it with Coca-Cola with a salted rim. I should start with that, but salted rim. Mm -hmm. And then mix the cocktail with that same knife because they claim it gives it more flavor. Okay. Um, Like it gives the essence of the lime, I guess, like cutting into it. a little bit more pith Mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah, it's just a fun experience. Yeah, for sure. And it's delicious. I I get down with Batanga. Absolutely. It's like a Cuba Libre, but tequila. Yeah. So nice. Into that. Uh, Yeah, I haven't been to tequila. Um, The only time I've been to Mexico was with you when we went to... Uh, we went to the Patron Distillery and had uh, just an amazing time. I filmed a bunch of stuff, but I'm so bad about like actually posting things on my on my social I media. Need, I need to make some TikToks and be like throwback at this point. <laughs> it was it was really rad though. The the I mean one seeing how uh, how Patron is doing stuff and the way that the tequila is made the the two completely different methods that are used yeah and then blended is is really really cool to me uh and and just the landscape was just absolutely it's gorgeous. gorgeous right it's so gorgeous out there the highlands of Jalisco are just astounding mm-hmm. it's yeah like you go up in elevation and all of a sudden the soil changes to this red mm-hmm. soil from like this gray and you see nothing but fields of agave like blue spikes coming out of the ground in rows and red mm-hmm. soil striping through it That's it's awesome. gorgeous mm-hmm. yeah and just horses everywhere. And horses, yeah. <laughs> just, just horses everywhere. That like don't look like they're wild horses. They're just like out. Just compadres. <laughs> uh but yeah, man. Uh I think I think also, yeah, with tequila being so new to the scene relative to everything else, we we just aren't seeing we haven't seen until recently uh it being a major player in cocktails. Uh-huh. You know, we had our tequila sodas, we had our tequila shots, we had our margaritas, and we had our palomas, and that's about it. Uh, other places like Death & Co. have been, you know, bringing tequila into the forefront with things like the Oaxaca Old Fashioned. Yeah, uh, it's a staple. And other places, you know, I think that as as this modern cocktail movement continues to roll on, uh, it'll spit out more. Uh, classic tequila, like modern classic tequila cocktails. I completely agree. I think tequila as a spirit is so versatile too. Like you mm-hmm. have Blancos, mm-hmm. which are unaged, and then you get into the aged expressions, and that opens up a whole new world of, you know, cocktailian exploration. For and, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a fun adventure. You get into the extra añejos that are aged for over three years, and they have characteristics similar to whiskeys, and, mm-hmm. and you can play around with that yeah. differently. Absolutely. Uh, and I think we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, uh, just about like how to buy tequila, mm. uh, because there's a there is a lot of there's a lot of tequila out there more now than ever before. Uh, and it's hard to know what to buy. It's hard to know what to look for. And I think we should talk about that for a little bit, because there is a lot of there's a lot of baggage with with modern tequila uh, that I think not a lot of people know about. That's a good way to put it. There's a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. Okay, You're absolutely I have right. honestly no idea what this baggage is. Let's let's get into it. I mean, generally baseline my my baseline advice for anybody that's trying to buy tequila is do not buy anything. I repeat, do not buy anything that does not say 100% agave on the label. Mm. Start there, for sure. You you start yeah. there uh, because if you're if it doesn't say that then 99.999% of the time, it is going to be 51% agave 
And then the rest of it can kind of be whatever. It's usually mm-hmm. some sort of cane spirit or a neutral grain. Uh, and that's called a mixto. Yeah. Uh, and it can still be labeled as tequila. That's typically what your baseline Jose Cuervo is. Yeah. Cuervo also makes some some higher end stuff that is all agave, but their baseline like Cuervo gold, Cuervo silver, like that stuff uh, is all mixto as is. And I can say that. Yeah, yes. you can say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I won't. I won't put you in a position to say anything bad about any other brands. Um, but uh, that's that's the stuff that that a lot of people, you know, that's a lot of what a lot of people associate with. That's tequila. like the entry point right there. I mean, yeah. my first tequila was in that range, like Cuervo Gold. Honestly, that's yeah. like the first experience I had with tequila as a you know young drinker getting into things mm-hmm. and, and people being like, oh no, tequila. I get wild on tequila or like I, you know, I get the worst hangovers from tequila or whatever. Yeah. And it's, and it's because of the quality. Sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, I feel like I've heard tequila talked about like almost like absinthe or like people are like, it's like a whole other thing. Like something happened that scares them from it. Something is like, it makes like, yeah. Like, yeah. And it's just like, yeah. And I guess, I mean, if you do drink mixed, I think of it as like, you're having some, maybe a little bit of 100% agave, like mm. in that 51%, and then you're just throwing like a well rum on top of it mm. and mixing that into one cocktail. The odds of you, if you drink that all night you and in shot form, you probably won't be feeling the best in the morning. Um, yeah, it checks out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I, I like to kind of use that equation when talking about like just tequila. That's not mm. 100% the agave. Yeah. And, and from there, it gets a little bit more nebulous from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like basically almost never do you want to buy a mixed oat tequila. And if you don't buy a mixed oat tequila, then the product will be baseline. Okay. Correct. And then from there, part of it is taste, I think. And part of it is, you know, understanding the ethics of tequila because, uh, it's, it gets pretty dicey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I feel like you you have more. Uh, I feel like, I feel like you've got a better spiel on <laughs> on uh, additives and and all the things that go into these this the massive amounts of tequilas that are hitting the market. From there's a yeah because I, there are lots of ways to distill <laughs> tequila. There's a lot of ways to ex- extract the the sugars from the agave, mm-hmm. uh, and those methods range from like a high level of efficiency to a fairly low level of efficiency. But those lower levels are actually kind of what we're looking for. Yeah. In terms of getting the best quality of sugar from the tequila or from the agave to get the best like expression of the agave. Yeah. I I think, I guess the best way to boil this down is like starting from the beginning of what, I guess what is tequila in a way, right. Or a hundred percent agave. It's going to be coming from a hundred percent blue Weber agave. Mm -hmm which is a beautiful plant that plant grows. It takes about seven years to reach maturity enough to like have the sugars available to turn into a spirit, mm-hmm. which is wild. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And which that's is- also why when you are in the highlands of Jalisco, you see that basically every free inch of ground is covered with yes. agave because there's, you're, it's hard to keep up. With, mm-hmm. with the demand that is ever growing. The demand right now is insane. And if it takes seven years, they've got to get those plants in the ground like, you know, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So 
it it's a lot of planning um but yeah taking care of the the plant is one and taking care of the the farmers that are tending to the land and um where was i going with that like yeah so it takes seven years that's really you don't want to have any shortcuts along the way through the process to take away from the terroir and like already that beauty of the plant that's coming from the natural ground. Mm -hmm. And in that process, there's like, like Land was saying, like so many ways to skin a cat, I guess. Hate that analogy. And I just said it, (laughs) but um, like from the cooking, you can cut corners in a way you can do either the traditional method of like a clay brick oven that cooks low and slow for like 79 hours. Like we do at Patron, or you can do what's called an autoclave, which is like a big pressure cooker, which Mm -hmm can take you know in that six hour range and it just it it doesn't produce those nice caramelized flavors in the agave and coax out those sugars gently um and then you have a diffuser which it basically shreds the raw agave into little fibers and sends it through a series of chambers that are also pressure changer chambers and sometimes certain um acids are added to make it more efficient and pull out more of the available starches and then they'll cook that raw agave liquid in an autoclave so within about three to four hours you have something ready for fermentation as um, opposed to to like mo- the traditional method is yeah. cooking then then extraction yes uh and then for diffuser it's all happening at the exact same time right it's almost switched like you're doing the milling or the extraction before it goes into the the to the cooking process gotcha. mm-hmm. yeah so it's like two two stones two birds in one stone yeah yeah uh and and with i've seen uh, you know, driving driving up to uh, Patron, we saw the like the spent agave from diffuser tequila, and it's like agave fiber when it after it's been cooked and caramelized nice and and extracted, it's still very like still very like this nice reddish brown color. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like caramelized, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, and it's, it's really pretty. This, yeah, it's very pretty, and it's got it's. Still got a fair amount of sugar on it. Cooked agave still has a fair amount of sugar on it after it's been extracted. So is that all the tequila's out of it? Is that what you're saying? Or, once, or it's cooked and ready to be turned into tequila? Cooked and then, yeah, so after cooking, then it needs to be mashed and milled. Okay. And that's where, where Lan was talking about the fibers. Um, so I guess we'll get into that and then we'll hit yeah. the fiber point. Yeah. like do a little wraparound, but yeah. there's multiple ways to do that as well. One is the tahona, which is a tahona wheel, which is this... It's been around for like 400 plus years, Mm -hmm. um, typically used in mezcal production. And it's a two-ton volcanic wheel that goes around in a circle and just crushes the agaves, the cooked agaves, into little fibers and extracting this beautiful nectar that's going to be fermented and turned into eventually tequila. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one way to mill it. Another way is a uh, roller mill, which is like a series of gears that kind of interlock. Um, So think of it as like the fibers will be going into this or the cooked agave will go into this and get shredded and squeezed mm-hmm. and all that juice will fall down below and the fibers will go on a, a belt onto the next roller. But in the, between those two rollers is hot water that gets sprayed on top. So it's like rehydrating them and mm-hmm. squeezing them again. It's kind of like okay. if you spilled some red wine on the floor and you picked up your washcloth and you know did that and you go over the sink and you wring it out, it's going to be really red. So you throw a little water on it, bring it out, mm-hmm. still a little bit of red and it keeps going. So the roller mill does that like five times and squeezes out as much sugar as possible. Um, and then the diffuser's already done. So that's, that's those are the typical ways that you'll see yeah. in tequila production. Um, and then what happens with those fibers at the end, we compost all of ours. 
Um, mm. And except for on the Tahona side, we will um, actually that goes into fermentation and then distillation. But on the roller mill side, we send it straight to compost. Um, and that's what Land was talking about. Like when you see the uh, cooked fibers versus a pile of uncooked fibers, they're like tan versus mm-hmm. like a nice like red, amber, brown, mm-hmm. just because that sugar, that caramelization hasn't happened yet in the raw side. And it's quite a stark contrast. Yeah. And it's like with white. diffuser, it's like, yeah, white. Yeah. It's, everything's been pulled from it. Yeah, it is. It's like dry white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like almost the skeleton of the agave. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but cool. when you're stripping, you're basically pulling every single bit of sugar from it. Mm-hmm. And then... It's highly effective. Like it's, it, it's like ninety nine point nine percent extraction of all the available inulin and sugars that you That's need. Awesome. So, mm-hmm. but it doesn't get as much of the the. You, you're not macerating it. You're not getting as much of the like agave flavor. Yeah, you're mostly just getting sugar. So then you have to add it in later. Yeah, uh, which is allowed, um, but it is you know dicey. Yeah. So it, it, even though a bottle says one hundred percent the agave, it it is in the rules that you can add up to 1% by volume of certain additives. And those additives could be, there's one, there's four approved additives. There's glycerin, which adds body. So like if you did kind of cut corners along the way and you have a very thin spirit at the end, mm-hmm. you can add body to it by adding a touch of glycerin. And these are highly, these are like highly concentrated extracts. So drop by drop, it adds a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oak extract would be another one where it adds the aroma and flavor of oak. Uh, Caramel coloring to give it color if it needs more color. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one would be harabe or sweetener, which mm-hmm. this one's probably to me the most offensive additive. Um, mm-hmm. It because you can add some flavoring to it. Like if you you can put vanilla as a big flavoring, that's a popular one, or like cupcake mm-hmm. frosting or cake batter or mango or citrus, whatever you like, whatever you want. Um, because at the end of the day, there are some distilleries that are producing about you know, upwards of a hundred different brands from the same distillery. So how do they differentiate those brands? And this is one of those ways. Um, not to say that all of them do that, but yeah, that's one of them. Yeah. So it get like I said, it gets kind of dicey. And I think that, uh, and it's hard to know, it's hard to know which brands are, yeah. uh, not adding additives and which one brands aren't, uh, it's, there are some lists that that you can be on, but I think it requires like it requires a lot of legwork just to be on those lists. Uh, in addition to just doing the work, yeah. If you're referring to the additive free list from mm-hmm. Tequila Matchmaker, yeah. yeah, they they're very invasive with it, which is good. Like they go in, they spend days and look at your records of everything coming in and out. They they spend time in distillation. They pull retail samples to compare to what's coming off the still. Um, very in depth and it's wonderful and that's a great list to look at first of all what additive free tequilas are out there mm-hmm. um and i i feel like there's also another conversation to be had here about sweet tequilas in a way and how mm-hmm. like as new drinkers enter you know the age of drinking and they're out there having fun they're like i want a shot of tequila yeah. and i heard this one's really popular and they have a shot it's it's now we're entering this stage i feel where their first impression of a tequila is not as bad as it was for most people where they were and you know having mixed sure. out, but they're they're not tasting a natural tequila. They're having mm-hmm. this one that's sweetened up a bit or has, you know, different additives and it's not giving, in my opinion, it, it's not giving the plant its due justice for spending all that time. And it's not giving the brands out there that are doing a painstaking 
uh, process and really not cutting corners and doing a great job mm -hmm. um, when, yeah, this is the sweet tequila category is like booming. I call it sweet. Yeah. I, it's not an official category. I just, <laughs> yeah, it's sure. just like something I, I yeah, yeah, feel like should be out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the there there are lots of those out there. Like if you're getting a huge vanilla hit off of your tequila, probably some additives. Um, there, but there are also. I make it sound like it's harder to find good tequila than it is. Uh, just keep your ear to the ground. Listen to listen yeah. to your bartenders. Most most of us are, especially I think, like in the cocktail scene, we're trying to be more mindful about where we get our products from and what we, you know, the brands that we support. Yeah, it's it. I think you're right. Ask your bartender what's good. Sometimes, I mean, go to a cocktail bar, ask mm -hmm. them, or maybe a you know a, a restaurant or bar that has a great agave selection in general, like Mezcal and Sotols and all that. Yeah, be and a we, good good spot to ask. And we're very lucky in Austin to have a bunch of those places. Yes, I mean Roosevelt Room has a pretty good selection. There's uh, Las Perlas, which has an amazing agave selection. Commodore, yeah, Commodore, Suerte. La Condesa. Yeah, La Condesa. There's so many. It's yeah. Whistler's has their little. Whistler's, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. bar up top. Mm -hmm. There's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful and it's, it's amazing. And again, again, like at at the end of the day, you know, drink what you like, and if you and if you find tequila that that is tasty to you, that is that doesn't make you feel bad, then like. Great, but yes. but it is also especially with with the amount of celebrity tequilas out there and all that sort of stuff. It's it's good to do your research, especially with like products that are maybe more expensive than you should be paying. Yeah, uh, that are a lower quality than a, a than other spirits. I think yeah, I think agave or tequilas in general, like or tequilas, really do take a little more effort to get into. You got to do your research. Mm -hmm. If you're mm -hmm. at the store, take your phone out and check. Like what, what information do they have on their process? And because um, it, it isn't going to be on the label. That's yeah. the kind mm -hmm. of the unfortunate part. Um, and there's only like under 100 brands out of 2,600 that are uh, like additive free or natural. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's that's a staggering fact when you think about it. Like that's crazy. Um but that said, they aren't hard to find. No, they're not. Yeah, they're out there. You can and you can pick Patron up a bottle of Patron. Is one, and yeah. it's out there <laughs> almost everywhere. So yeah. yeah, there's my plug. Except that one. <laughs> except that one Chili's in Guadalajara. I know, man. <laughs> that was we the, couldn't get Patron. We couldn't get Patron at at a uh, Chili's in Guadalajara. Yeah, and like Patron is the tequila of Chili's everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I found it funny that we had we ate it. We went to Chili's in Guadalajara, and then as soon as we got to like Houston, we went to Chili's. Back on it, yeah. yeah. So we, yeah, we also in did one, go to Chili's in one day. We hit two Chili's in two in two countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what a what a life we lead. Yeah. <laughs> well, all of our drinks are empty. I'm feeling a little thirsty. Uh, let's let's yeah. grab ourselves a refill, and uh, then we'll come back and chat about some other uh, cocktails that you may like, and uh, give out a little bit of advice as well. Yeah. back and it's time to talk about maybe almost everyone's favorite cocktail 
Uh, a lot of people. A lot of people. the show's favorite cocktail. Uh, enough people's favorite cocktail that we just were like, we're it's going to be part of the whole thing. Uh, we're going to talk about martinis. Uh, uh, so, because we can only do one martini episode, but, at least within the first like fifty or so. Uh, there is a martini part two uh, planned in the future at some time. Everyone, I know, I know, Matt, Maddie really wants to do a martini part two. Yeah. He's, he's just like, I left a lot on the table. <laughs> it's such a personal cocktail. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> which is exactly why we like to ask everyone who uh-huh. comes on what what is your like martini? when you order a martini, what are you ordering? I am very uh, classic. Two to one with a couple dashes of orange bitters stirred with gin. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that. Like it's a, to me, it's a good balance between like the dryness of a juniper forward gin with that nice botanical aromatized wine and the vermouth and then a little yeah. orange burst. And then I like uh, an olive and a twist. So the oh, Oliver okay. twist yeah. method. Yeah. So yeah. I get the little savory when I'm ready for the nugget. Um, and it's nice and lemony on the on the nose. Yeah. I like yeah. that. That's awesome. Um one of my favorite martinis that I ever had was at uh, Dante in New York. They're, they don't have it on the menu, but their house martini is uh, it's equal parts, but it's... A 50-50. Yeah, yeah. 50-50 thrown, which is, uh, if you're a listener of the podcast, you know is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have on... They do like half of the cocktail in a small glass and then half of it in a sidecar mm-hmm. with crushed ice and everything ready to go. And... Uh, also on the side is the garnishes. So they have, they do like an, an expression of lemon oil over the top. But then they also have like an olive, a cocktail mm, onion, yes. and the twist all in the ice with the sidecar, which I think is very nice. Refuge and so in Houston does a similar thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a great, great martini. Yeah. Which we're kicking ourselves a little bit. We, so my, my birthday is, is this month and mm-hmm. I'm, Ooh, yeah. Happy early birthday. Hey, thanks. Uh, but we were like, all right, so we're we could maybe just go on a trip and like go somewhere and I was like, friends staycation had, yeah. or mm-hmm. go to Houston because we've been talking about going to Houston. But we also have a lot of friends that uh, recently moved to L.A. and mm-hmm. we haven't really seen them. And I've I've been to L.A. once, but I haven't like I was very broke and sad at the time, and I didn't gotcha. really know what to do yeah. in L.A. And I feel like I would do it better this time. So I was like. Yeah, like we got friends in LA. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go and to LA. And flights are yeah. cheap. And flights out were there. like super cheap. Like it probably cheap. would. It was cheaper to fly than to drive to Houston. It was like really? honestly, probably uh, when all was said and done. Fly, flying through Southwest, and, we got uh, it was like eighty nine on the departure, mm-hmm. so like sixty eight on the return. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To LA. To LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dang. All right. I need to go out. Yeah. yeah. Go. <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was say for, hi to... for both of us. It was like just over three hundred dollars, and I had like. I had like Southwest points that covered one so, flight yeah, we, and I used my credit card didn't points. didn't pay anything to, for yes. it awesome. at the end of the day, but. Well, I will connect you guys with uh, Carissa, who's out there. The, yeah, please. The other Patron ambassador in LA. And awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah please human. do. We'll, yeah. we'll be out there for a few days and uh, I want to check out uh, Thunderbolt was up against us uh, for best cocktail bar and That's best great. bar team mm-hmm. uh, for, for Tales of the Cocktail. And uh, I wanted to check that out. I heard very good things. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, who is one of the owners of, of the Roosevelt Room, while we while we weren't sure who was going to win all the stuff, Katana Kitten, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, while we weren't sure about that, uh, he was he went out there and like and was like, oh yeah, the place was like actually really rad. 
That's good. So I, yeah. I'm really, really excited to check that out. He said it was in a wild location, just like right off the freeway, oh. um, which I would love a nice cocktail bar right off the freeway. <laughs> yes. Instead of doing zigzags and mm-hmm. going underground or mm-hmm. above ground to, sure. through a hidden door. Make cocktail yeah. bars accessible again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I love I love a martini with a snack. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. I love the idea of just like a like I love I need the I need the lemon oils. Yes, that's but a I, necessity. But I like I an mean, olive. I like an onion. I like some sort of thing to munch on with my with my martini. That's I like buttered call. popcorn with martinis a lot. Huh. Like that's that's a common thing in our home. We'll okay. you know like movie night, make some buttered popcorn, movie theater popcorn, and, and maybe start with a martini and then go into shit. some some bubbles of sorts. Maybe that's the move. Awesome. Me, I know. I was like, I think there we you know. know what we're doing later. <laughs> um, that sounds so good. Oh, now I, I want to go to a bar and be like, I will have. A martini, a side, a popcorn. Do you have popcorn? Please. <laughs> Lots of um, butter. That's yeah, extra butter. Yeah, that sounds really good. That sounds really, really good. Thank yeah. you for turning us on. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. And also, it does work with tequila. Just to say, like a tequila martini in that yes. same way is a okay. go-to commonly with yeah. silver. Yeah. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I I really am of the mind that I get my my definition of a martini is pretty broad. As long as it's a clear spirit and white vermouth, it can be a sweet vermouth. As long as it's a clear vermouth, mm-hmm. uh, I think I think you're in martini territory. Yeah. So blanco tequila with with some like, I think, off the top of my head, like blanco tequila with some blanc vermouth, and like maybe a little bit of coqui americano or something like Ooh, that. And yeah. Some orange bitters or some yeah. grapefruit bitters, maybe. That would be delicious. Uh, yeah. Stir that, and maybe maybe a little bit of orange oil over the top. There you go. Got yourself a beautiful martini that's non-traditional. Mm-hmm. So I love martinis. Anyway, we mm-hmm. should stop talking about martinis before I cry. <laughs> okay. Um. So <laughs> during the break, we did have a little uh, discussion about a certain movie that we've already. I'm still not over it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uncharted, which we've dissected at length uh, in previous episodes, but. Uh, we do always also like to ask, um, what are some TV or movie pet peeves that just you see them and you're like, that's not how that works? Yes. I, temperature. There's like mm-hmm. every I, I'll use one reference. There's a movie I love, Casino Royale, the new one mm-hmm. with or the newer one with Daniel Craig as James Bond. And he orders the infamous Vesper. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shaken, not stirred. Mm-hmm. Well, it comes out. And there's no condensation on the glass. It's a crystal clear liquid with a nice, beautiful lemon twist in a really mm-hmm. nice glass. Mm-hmm. Looks appetizing, except for the fact that, as we just talked about martinis, one I feel like we would all agree here that one defining characteristic of a good martini is that it should be cold. cold. Ice cold, yeah. Yes. And cold as can be. That means condensation on the glass. And yes. especially if it's shaken. And that doesn't happen. Like if you see a cosmopolitan on any sort of show or movie, it's usually like room temperature cranberry juice thrown into a martini glass. It's like, that's not cold. And also, Cosmos aren't translucent like that. Like, yeah, it should be cloudy. <laughs> yeah. If, like, you, if you shook it, it would be cloudy. Yeah, exactly. And and I and, and I get, you know, in the movie business, you, you've got time and you redoing scenes and everything. Totally understand that. But I feel like there's some way to actually, you know, try and do that accurately. Yeah, it I bothers agree. me. It makes the drink not look appetizing, in my yeah. opinion, every single like time, or not be... ice or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there'd even be some like movie magic, like these 
are the cold martini glasses with like a little bit of oh, water frost. or spray or like a little like fix the... it in post true yeah, yeah. cgi that glass CGI. frost it up and put a little drip yeah, or like, just done. like this um what is it like the sandblasted glass but like lightly mm-hmm. and pull it out of the freezer and be like oh it's so cold done a little um, bit of dry ice so it's like like oh like oh <laughs> yeah it's so smoky. cold that that, it's... that it's like you can see the steam off of it yeah, yeah. Anyway, we should yeah. make a movie. hire us, hire us to consult on your bartending scenes. Bottle episode uh, LLC movie consultant. <laughs> I guess I have a lot of content for this already. Like how to accurately. They're not going to hire cocktails. us because we're already telling. It. We were giving yeah. away all our secrets. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah. It's fine though. It's a free guide. Yeah, I mean, give us credit. Put it. Put us in the credits. Again, but it's like free. It's 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 just sitting on the table for them. It's just just go to a bar. Or again, Spielberg, listen to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm sure these these, get on it. (laughs) I'm sure they're going out for drinks while they're filming. Yeah, why don't they just ask a bartender like, "Hey, what are you doing in two weeks? We plan to film a a bar scene. Would you like to be on board for one day?" I guarantee most bartenders would say absolutely. Hell yeah. yeah. I'll have to check my schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, let me check my schedule first, but like, or I'll switch it around. But like, it. Yeah. Yeah. Or swap, like swap, like, yeah. like shifts, whatever. Yeah. If you're like, I'm going to can be on movies. Yeah. Hop on hot schedules. Yeah. I'm, I'm requesting it off right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Get it done. <laughs> so let's talk a anyway. little bit more about tequila. Yes. Because we do have let's some do it. beautiful tequilas in front of us. Uh-huh. And I would be remiss if I didn't talk about these wonderful tequilas. Um, you know, we, we were talking kind of right after the first like right after the break uh, about, you know, like we don't really talk super heavy about brands, but it would be weird if we didn't talk a fair amount about Patron because it's like what you do for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have, uh, we've been drinking Patron Reposado in the Paloma, uh-huh. which I think is really nice. I'm, I'm a more, as you know, I'm more of an unaged guy when it comes to agave spirits. That said, uh, Patron is the brand that turned me on to like more aged tequilas because of the like very intentional way that y'all do it. Yeah. Uh, so we've been drinking Reposado in our Palomas, which I think has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have a couple other spirits right in front of us. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to do our best to make our listeners feel very, very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Get those palates salivating. So the thing that we decided we were like going to kind of passively sip on next to our Palomas was... Yes. Can I say one thing? Yes, of you course. you guys are uh, first-timers to the squirt game. That, yes. that sounds really weird. I was, I should, yes. Okay, <laughs> of using squirt grapefruit soda. Um, <laughs> uh, um, grapefruit squirt, grapefruit soda the, in the, a the Paloma. Soda, everyone, chill out. Uh, yeah, so this cocktail, the mm-hmm. second iteration of this cocktail. I really <laughs> like it. I, so we did, with this one was, again, <laughs> ounce and a half. Grapefruit soda, TM. Um, this yeah, one was it's a, really good. It's really, really rad. Uh, this one was just an ounce and a half of tequila, Patron Reposado, uh, and a half ounce of lime juice, and then topped with with squirt. Uh-huh. And it's really good. And like I drink the hell out of this on a mm-hmm. daily basis. Yeah, yeah, it's easy and I delicious. Yeah, weren't trying to be healthier in my life. Yeah, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's really really good. I I highly recommend just like getting yourself some squirt or or some other grapefruit soda, a little bit of lime juice, tequila, you got mm-hmm. yourself a beautiful cocktail. 
Done. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yummy. Three ingredient cocktails, y'all. It's the, it's that the you can build in your glass. That you can yeah. Build, that you can build in your glass. Like you don't even need tools it's for this one. Keep filling that up. Top up the ice. Got people over. You can bust it out anytime. Mm -hmm. Easy. Hey guys, I got this. I'm, I made palomas. Yeah. And put it in a pitcher. Yes. Yeah. Put it in a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. Put it in a punch bowl, honestly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah, about punch bowls. Like, grapefruits are so big. Do you think grapefruit slices would? would float or sink straight to the bottom. They I think strength, if you slice them, if them. you slice them thin enough, you could also dehydrate them. Uh but uh if you <laughs> sorry, if you slice them thin enough though, I think they'd They'll be float. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Also a be thing so that, cute. uh a thing a thing that I love is like this has always been like a punch hack mm -hmm. of like not over diluting your punch is freezing cubes of the soda. Yeah. Mm. Like freeze cubes of squirt. It's a good idea. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then like put that in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as it melts, it, it's just more. It's a good punch. tip. Yeah. So could be could be good. Could, could be, be fun. Be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Could be fun. Uh, but we, we've got three beautiful products in front of us. And I mm -hmm. want to talk about them because I yes. think that both, all three of them are just they're all so different and also very, very tasty. So let's let's go through them. Let's so the do it. first one is uh, Roca Patron Silver. So it's unaged and it is done 100% with Tahona tequila. So it's Tahona crushed, fermented in small pinewood vats with the fibers on top, which creates like an anaerobic fermentation process mm. and then distilled with the fibers as well, which gives it more of that agave flavor and aroma. And I, I, there's something to be said also for the body that this, yes. that this has, uh, which I think, which I attribute fully to the like, the density of the sugar that's getting pushed out of the the agave and also the the presence of the fiber i think yes. definitely adds adds some body to it as well that body like the, it's intentional that we ferment with fibers on the tone aside it it accentuates that process the mm -hmm. best and does provide more body like we talked about a, a glycerin earlier but there's a difference between like naturally occurring glycerin and synthetic glycerin Yes. So just like lime juice, you have fresh lime juice and then the lime that comes out of the plastic lime that you can get at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Very different things. Yes, very different things. <laughs> um, and, and when you're fermenting with the fibers and it creates that cap, it, it creates an interaction where you, you get more glycerin out of the agave naturally. Mm -hmm. So it provides more body. And then you go and distill it with those fibers, creating more body than the second distillation. And then you have tequila. And in a full copper pot still, yeah, this is the yeah. end result. It's it's great. Yeah, I mean, really this is this is I think besides maybe potentially Grand Patron Piedra, this is maybe my favorite product of y'all's. Which is just the Roca Silver. Piedra is the extra añejo of this. Mm -hmm. This is the the youngster version. Yeah, but that that in particular is what turned me on to aged tequilas at all. Nice, um, that's awesome. Not a, not a huge fan in general. Mm -hmm. uh, as I've gotten more into tequila. I feel like I, initially I was like, I, I would like drink more whiskey and, and drink more aged spirits in general and came into tequila being like, well, barrel aging means it's better, right? <laughs> and as I've learned yeah. more, you know, I, I found that in a lot of cases, barrel aging mutes some of those flavors that I love mm -hmm. in things like rum and also tequila. And so I've, I've gotten more into unaged spirits over the years and I kind of have found myself being like a hard line like uh, well i prefer blanco tequila mm -hmm. and then i tried uh grand patron pietra and was like 
oh no, I think this is pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it is all about if you're aging something, have intention and mm. and doing the the raw product pro like mm -hmm. doing yeah. it justice. Right, yeah, adding barrel notes to a to a subpar product doesn't automatically make it a better product. Yeah. Speaking of which, yes, our next one, our next one is uh, it's from our core like flagship flagship line. It's our extra añejo. So this is like a good expression of how we age things at Patron. Mm -hmm. um, we use we do everything obviously a little bit inefficient, but for quality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and we have five different barrels that we actually age our reposado, añejo, and extra añejo in. Um, so it's five different profiles. Think of it as like a seasoning cabinet for aged tequilas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've got um, used American whiskey barrels because they're plentiful. Um, then we get limousine French oak that are medium charred. Um, Allier French oak, medium charred as well. Hungarian white oak that is medium char. And then um, we make a hybrid barrel that is American oak staves. So on the sides, like the wooden parts on the sides and French oak heads, the caps. And all five of those get filled with essentially Patron silver and aged for certain periods of time that would put them in the category of Reposado, Añejo, or Extra Añejo. And in this case, the Extra Añejo is over three years, a blend of all five of those. Yeah. And we, our master distiller and blenders work very hard to make sure that we are consistent with our flavor profile within all those five barrels. So, for sure. Yeah. And it should be, it should be noted, I think... Like with a, with especially with French oak, it's less it's less of a char and more of a toast. Yeah, I think like wine. Yeah. You, you usually see French and Hungarian oaks used in wine because mm -hmm. uh, they don't char them as heavily. Like yeah. it, it's wine is delicate. You don't want to just have, uh, you know, a bourbon tasting yeah. Chardonnay. <laughs> with, with whiskey, with whiskey specifically American whiskey, they torch the hell out of those barrels. It's like black on the inside. Oh, yeah. Whereas this char. is more of like a, a light brown on yeah. the inside. Mm -hmm. uh, and just gives like caramelizes a little bit of those sugars that exist in the oak. Yeah. As opposed to just like, all right, let's get everything out of there. <laughs> um, okay. This is like, I don't know. I don't know if this is a good question, but if they're charring it that much, like for whiskey and mm -hmm. stuff, wow. how thick is the wood? On the barrels typically gonna be like over uh, like an inch or so yeah a little okay. yeah around okay. an inch Bef i like know before or after it's charred or that'll it be before, before before it's charred okay. um and they basically will construct the barrel the you should look up videos of a cooperage and how they do it it's incredibly okay. fascinating um because there's metal rings that hold these staves together mm -hmm. and basically they roll it over an open flame and toast it around yeah. and it's just it's okay. an art it's like okay it's incredible cool okay yeah. so but this so is this one charred or is it just yeah there's bit. charring a in there yeah char. yeah like the okay. used american whiskey barrels will have more charring than say the french the two french oaks and the hungarian okay um but french oak and hungarian oak just treated with less char yeah. than, okay. like, but yeah. that's and that's also why you get or less, more of a toast less of that yeah. like hyper vanilla like toffee coffee stuff mm -hmm. from Things like cognac, mm -hmm. because they're using like toasted toasted French oak as opposed to like hyper charred American oak. Yes, yeah. Both both Are wonderful. There... Both like have their place, and I think that these like everything kind of comes together in this glass to be very very tasty. Mm -hmm. This is another like super dumb question. Are all Never. barrels toasted? 
orc chard? Yes. They're all uh, well, there no. might be some that, with the spirits and, and beverage industry. There's always exceptions to any rule. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. there's always going to be somebody doing something different. But the practice is to char the wood okay. because you're, you're basically caramelizing the wood. You're like you're cooking and burning the wood. Okay. And there's a there's I don't know. Forgive me. I don't know all the <laughs> chemical reactions that happen within this process. But just like when you're cooking agave, you're trent, you're turning inulin into fermentable sugars like fructose and uh, sucrose. And the same interaction happens with fire and wood. So you're creating compounds that can then transfer caramelized flavors or sugary flavors. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of sugar in in the oak that then can be transferred. And the more you char it, the more it's going to be like cooked sugar, Mm -hmm. like molasses, caramel, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Does I... and. Correct me if, if I'm wrong. I think that also the the process of charring a barrel kind of happened naturally because it also helps seal the barrel. That too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and then also once you fill it, it that seal that really seals it. Once you fill it with liquid, then it swells. Mm-hmm. If there are any hole pockets, you, they usually will use like bees, beeswax or something to yeah. seal it. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it once it swells with some sort of liquid, then it's sealing itself. Yeah, yeah. But a thing that I don't love about aged tequila. Mm-hmm. In general, I have a butt for this because mm-hmm. well, we're drinking this extra in Yeho. It's been mm-hmm. aged for over three years, which is a long, a really long time for tequila. It is. Uh, a thing that I don't how love. How long is the, the regular kind? So Añejo's... I guess we should touch on the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, classifications, right? Um, so silver or Blanco mm-hmm. will be unaged to two months. Uh, Reposado will pick up okay. from there and go two months to one year in oak. Okay. And then Añejo will go 12 months to three years. Extra okay. Añejo will be three and beyond. So, what's the most aged tequila that you know about? I know about a twenty-five year. Okay. There could be more. Yeah, Fuente Seca, I believe, Fuente came Seca. out with. Okay. I think. Wow. Huh. Okay. Um, so that's like good? extra great grandpa yeah. tequila. Sounds sounds interesting. Fuente Seca does some. Yeah, they have the very yeah. experimental. Yeah, it's like just it's a cool line to check okay. out. It's interesting cool. to see what they're very doing because cool. they're they're always playing with stuff. But yeah, but. Uh, extra Nejo over three years and, uh, or three years or over, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I don't love about aged agave spirits is that they often, when done more ham-fistedly than this, <laughs> it ends up tasting like oak and that's all you taste. You don't mm-hmm. taste the agave. And I happen to very much like agave as a yeah. flavor. Uh, this, even though it's been in a barrel for for three years, you still know very much that this is tequila. It's not like pounding you in the face with with oak notes. Yeah, it's they're there for sure, and they and they complement the agave nicely. But it isn't like, all right, this is all barrel, <laughs> and I hate when that happens. I agree. Yeah, and that's that's intentional. Like I said earlier, like everything should be done with intention. And when Francisco Alcaraz started you know, the process for Patron, he had that intention with the aging process. And that's why our Reposado is on the lower end. Like it's aged, it's a blend of like three to five months. Mm-hmm. If the minimum is two and the, yeah. the you know, max is 12 months. Um, because you still want that, that process to shine through that plant that spent seven years in the ground to shine through. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that should carry through even in the extra Nejos, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You can't just like, do away with it and cover it up with oak. Um, um, well, let's get into the the last glass here. Yeah. All right. This one's a weird one. 
It is, yeah. This is the Patron Sherry Cask Añejo. It is kind of uh, an experimentation gone right. And I like to think it's in my head. But um, in the background, we have a lot of burials that are aging tequila just to see what happens. And this is one that after two years just popped. And it's a it's aged in Oloroso Sherry Cask Barrels that entire time. So. Okay. There's a lot of, um, I think, especially in the scotch world, you'll see sherry or even bourbon, you'll see sherry on a bottle. And usually that means it's sherry finished. So it mm-hmm. gets like a kiss of sherry oak. Like they mm-hmm. they have a finished whiskey, yeah. fill that sherry oak barrel for maybe three to six months. And it does add quite a bit of flavor and it's they're delicious. Um, this is just literally 100% of the time aged in a sherry, Oloroso sherry cask. Yeah. Um, you get big sherry notes from this one. Oh, yeah. It's like, did you pour Oloroso in my tequila? Because that's what it tastes like. It's a it's a fun one to play with in cocktails too. Because mm. it, I've I've found over the years like tequila and sherry work really well together, especially the drier styles of sherry like mm. Oloroso or Amontillado. Mm. Um, and to combine them in one spirit is just remarkable. I was so excited when I first tried this. Like, yeah, well over a year ago, I was like, oh wow. Because I love sherry, I drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we drink sherry a lot at home too. Yeah. Um, Does that have a food pairing? I mean, per- in weirdly per- enough, olives, buttered everything, popcorn. buttered popcorn. Yeah, buttered I was just popcorn. Like, is there a tradition around this too? Because pizza, like, I maybe. Ooh. Sherry and pizza. <laughs> sherry and pizza. Do it up. <laughs> sherry goes good with everything. That's the thing. Is <laughs> sherry often, especially especially like a Montiato or a Manzanilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, really becomes like just that little bit of paprika you can put in any cocktail to make it better. And I try not to lean on that as <laughs> as somebody who's coming up with cocktails, but like it's 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 replacing Angostura for me as the That's as awesome. the like thing to add to a cocktail to make it better. Because uh, as a bartender, it's like your first instinct is would a couple dashes of Angostura make this cocktail better? <laughs> the answer is often yes. Yeah, um, it's really weird how often the answer is yes because you get these basic baking spice notes, and it just like sometimes a dash or two of Angostura can bring a cocktail together like nothing else can. But also adding just like a quarter ounce of manzanilla <laughs> to anything. There's something like, about that. I mean, it's that flavor. Uh, yeah, like it, it's such a wonderful cocktail modifier, especially those drier ones, like you said, like Fino. Amontillado, Manzanilla, they have a different acid profile than what you can get from citrus. So you mm-hmm. you like if you have mm-hmm. lemon juice in a cocktail already that's like full citric acid, and now you're adding acetic and malic acid from the sherry, you've got this like roller coaster effect of of acidity on mm-hmm. a person's tongue, and it's just like woo, this yeah. is good. Mm-hmm. Specifically, and then the flavor kicks in. Oh yeah, <laughs> and specifically like I, I do love I do love Amontillado and Manzanilla. Or, sorry, Amontillado and Oloroso, but Manzanilla for me, specifically with how salty it is as well, mm-hmm. like you can add a pinch of salt to a cocktail or or if you've got a salt tincture, you can add like a, a dash of salt and uh, really bring out some interesting flavors that you didn't know were there in your cocktail. And, but if you add like a, a little bit of Manzanilla sherry, because it does have that saltiness and also that acid, yeah, it it does that tenfold. Add a little bit of manzanilla to like any cocktail you got going on at your house. Add like a quarter ounce of manzanilla to your daiquiri and just like watch the flavors. Totally. 
Open margarita up. like it, it you can throw it in anything it's fun yeah <laughs> it's it's uh like seasoning salt for <laughs> mm-hmm. for cocktails it's awesome i love that and so is this that's cool and that's what yeah. this yeah this tequila encompasses that in one we got yeah i get a lot of the nuttiness that i get from like an oloroso or a Monteado. yeah i love that it it has on the nose like this characteristic of like maple syrup and like mm-hmm. i get a lot of like maple from it, but then also those dried dates and hazelnut, and then you taste it; and it's bone dry. Yeah, like it does. Uh, Super it just, tannic. You you like go into it like, oh yeah, this is this got to be sweet, and then you taste it, and it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's super tannic too. It like really dries mm-hmm. out your palate, like the like the the way that a sherry or like a red wine would. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, I, I did want to. I just wanted to taste through this stuff, especially because like you were so kind to have brought it all, and uh, mm-hmm. it's all delicious. And I wanted yeah. to talk about it a little bit more before we get into listener questions. Mm-hmm. Psych. We don't have any because we nobody listens to our podcast. Well, because we never think about it. I should have I should have posted this story two weeks ago, not in several times over the past two weeks to get some really good questions that we haven't already answered. But I did post it as we sat down to record. Yeah. And which I, has, look, has worked will, out in the past. I'm going to double check <laughs> to see if anyone has answered, um, which they probably haven't, because, again, um, it is a Saturday. People it is a are Saturday. People are having. Right I thought I've got the either, night off, which is weird. Yeah, which yeah. is weird. Um, but I, yeah, people are either having fun. At least and people not that listen looking. to this podcast. Most people aren't working. People in the world, are but out. Yeah, either well, working at bars or drinking at bars. Hopefully, touche. Yeah. Or watching a movie and having martinis and buttered popcorn. Um, <laughs> so start the movement. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm. I'm so for this. Um. But yeah, so, so in, poor planning on our part. Yeah. Um, again, this is we a call right intro, now. We got the intro right, but the, the outro wrong. But you know what? This might I I like I like what we're gonna do instead. I think it's Me gonna too. be interesting. I, I think it might be more fun. It might be more fun. It's definitely Honestly, not like might, a super deep well. We might need to like comb Reddit. We, could, we might we, we might like oh yeah we might go from like listener like maybe if you have a listener question we'll absolutely prioritize it but we might also just do like the weirdest we could, cocktail questions on reddit we could potentially i'm do sure that. i love that there's idea. some yeah fun ones out there i think that I, might honestly be more entertaining and like maybe spark some creativity maybe mm, we can dial it in yeah yeah so so, so i just i googled start i googled off. bartender questions and a lot of I, I sifted through a lot of things being like, here are interview questions you can ask a bartender, like when you're interviewing oh a bartender. Um, and I landed on a Thrillist article from 2015. Uh, the dumbest bartender or the dumbest questions you can ask a bartender. Which was like 2015, also like peak listicle. Peak listicle. And also, uh, also 2015, <laughs> I feel like was peak pretentious bartender. Yes. Yeah, um, that's when the egos were uh, too big. Yeah. Mm. The so ego monster was a We decided thing. that we were going to take this article that is being mean to people and answer these questions honestly. So we're going to do a little bit of lightning round. Uh, Multiple so, questions. Elise, I'll hand this off to you. All righty. The first question is, why isn't this glass full? And my response question is, do you want to die? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's a good answer to the question. Yeah. Uh, 
Also, do you want your fingers wet when yeah. you walk away from this bar top? Would you like to spill your, all of your drink? Your drink everywhere. Depending do you on... want to pay three times the price? Yeah, yeah. for this drink. That's <laughs> you're that's the thing. Is drinks. most bars most bars at this point, uh, especially cocktail bars, yeah, are measuring to the dash to the quarter ounce to the teaspoon, uh, getting your cocktail exactly right. Uh, we, and, and ordering glassware that is a certain mm. volume and the cocktails need to fit within that volume. But like, especially I would say like martini at coupe or yes, Nick and Nora glasses, agreed. you don't want to just put an eight ounce cocktail into five and ounce and a half ounce glass. You have to, the recipe needs to be built that way yeah. and yeah. designed agreed. around the glassware so, as well. I know my sister is better at baking than me, but she says that sometimes like when you bat, like double or triple a recipe like it kind of just doesn't come out 100 percent correct does that kind of happen with cocktails especially with like dilution and stuff or no that can you 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 have to i think it reaches a critical mass Mm -hmm. um there is only so cold a cocktail Mm. can get before ice stops melting yeah and Uh, also are you going to finish that drink before it warms up i think those are two different questions they're they're two different questions if i'm making if i'm making an important part I, we have a really big shaker at so the Roosevelt big. Room. We have two very big shakers. One, it looks is like, like a joke. Yeah, like, and it kind of it is. looks Does like it a have prank. like a centerpiece that locks in. Uh, <laughs> I once got this one that was, in, and I haven't busted it out. I still have it today. Okay, but I think it's like Belvedere or something that like a James Bond Belvedere one, where it's like two normal shakers, like a cobbler shaker. It's a dark and then mall shaker. Then there's a centerpiece. That you lock in and lock in, and it becomes like you can shake like eight cocktails in. It's a Darth Maul shaker. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Side. That's sorry amazing. for the tangent. But. No, that's that, I'm, so important. I'm going to need you to send me a picture of that. Yes. Um, no, it's it's just a big giant cobbler shaker. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two of them at the Roosevelt Room. We've got one that like is I'm doing visual cues, but like it's about this big. It's like two feet high. Um, that's awesome and another one that's like a foot and a half yeah uh and you can make like 20 cocktails in the big one uh but again like it's cumbersome you can't it's not efficient to do uh but the one that's smaller it's it's good for like i think up to five cocktails that's good that's comfortable and but i think that really four is the sweet spot for it um, you can make four cocktails and you can Pack still get a proper and... dilution on it. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. any more than four and you're playing with like, oh, there's there's it's going to get too cold too quickly to like d- actually properly dilute yeah. all yeah. Of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because you need enough. You need enough ice, but you also need enough like it. Yeah, you know, it once things get cold, they stop melting. Uh, so so where do we land on this question? I guess. Why isn't your glass full? Uh, well, there there are a couple reasons. I mean, if if we're talking about wine, like yeah, I, if I'm if I'm filling your wine glass, I'm not going to fill it to the top because that's probably the way that a wine glass is shaped is meant to like increase aeration, increase aromatics, you know, give you a chance to swirl it around, feel really mm-hmm. fancy. Like all of these things are why. Uh, wine glasses are as big as they are and a lot of wine glasses can fit like a whole bottle of wine in it right exactly yeah, and so like okay buy the bottle and also if you put that in one glass then you're gonna probably drink it faster and you're gonna die yeah. and, and yeah. like that's gonna be bad for you 
you're, it's not going to be cute. No. 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 And I think that I think that true. most cocktail bars these days have moved away from having glasses that are too big for the cocktails that they're creating. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. I, there there is a much larger range of sizes of glassware. Yes. And I definitely still have people who will come into the bar and be like, that glass is really small. And it's like, well, it's actually like a, a health, like it's a like legal serving. <laughs> that's like a, person. that's like a double. And then uh-huh. it's a lot of booze. Yeah. yeah. Cause like I, not to like drag this one question out too long, but I did see a TikTok where someone was really upset that like the ice displaced a lot of the volume in the thing. I saw that one and too. And they pulled out and this it was... beautiful, clear spear, like ice yeah. spear. And, and I, I commented, I'm like, that's beautiful ice. Like bars pay a lot of money for that kind of ice. Like that takes special machines. Like yeah. I like. Also, if you just want to figure, like, if you want to just do a quick little like Google <laughs> on science and see how displacement work. Yes. Like. And that is true. like a legal drink. Like you should not be drinking more than that. It's probably still two and a half ounces. It looks like an old yeah. fashioned, and that's gonna be. If- yeah, pretty so strong. If you had yeah, that you've got glass, like an ounce and a half to two ounces of booze in there. If you had that plus glass, plus other stuff, yeah, yeah. they're not no shorting ice. you on booze. It's no. probably equaling about three ounces after dilution and the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're good. If you had a happy. full to the top glass of whatever that drink was, like you would be on your ass probably. Yeah. yeah. Also, like nobody wants just a glass, like a calm oh, glass, warm glass, full to the brim, no ice of of. Like nobody wants a nine ounce glass full to the brim with hot booze. <laughs> no, yeah, a warm old fashioned. Yeah. Oh. No, the ice is important. <laughs> so, also, the clear ice is like a yeah, whole thing. I really know more nice about touch. ice now than I ever thought I would. Good. But, but uh, it's so yeah. Um, there are lots of reasons your glass isn't all the way full, uh, or if you take the ice out. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, cool. It's that is how displacement works. Congratulations. Um, but also, you know, that ice is, it's serving a purpose. It's keeping your, your cocktail cold. It's, it's providing potentially necessary dilution to, to like enhance the flavor of your cocktail over time. Uh, there are lots of reasons. Yeah. So many. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to, I think if we're going to, if we're going to continue on. Oh, what do you make the best? You, that's a trick question because you make everything the best because you're really good bartenders. That's actually my typical rant. Like, mm-hmm. don't I? I think in another podcast you had an answer to this. Did did I? Yeah, I th- okay. think maybe, and it was something along along the lines of like, whatever I'm making for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that was what's your favorite drink to make? And yeah, what's yeah. your favorite drink to make? My answer is whatever I'm about to drink. Oh, because that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get the gratification yeah. of, of yeah. getting yeah. to drink the thing that I just made. Uh, my other stock answer is shot of mezcal. Um, but. What do you make the best? I've definitely responded to somebody before, just like, yeah, I'm just so damn good at making cocktails that all of them. <laughs> uh, like at a certain point, the the, and correct me if you disagree, but I think at a certain point, like once you've reached a certain level of technique and and knowledge with cocktails, like making one cocktail is very much like making any other cocktail. Yeah, uh, we do it yeah. for a living. And we, we are like, the reason we do it for a living is that we are good at it. Yeah. And at all of it, Mm -hmm. like maybe I'm better at, I think that I am better at crafting, coming up with martini style cocktails than I am at coming up with any other style of cocktail. 
fair of of like all the drinks on my menu what do i make the best i make them all the same i make them all well yeah Mm -hmm. uh what do i craft the best what do i like conceptualize the best that's a different question yeah i Mm -hmm. think or if the bar is known for a specific drink, like historically, that's like, true to if, showcase. If like, like, well, we're thing, known for you're this. Like, oh, when we're here, you should try this in, while you're here. In this city, this this is the thing to yeah. drink. But other than that, but I think, I think also the, like saying that what's your favorite? Like for a guest to ask a bartender, what's your favorite cocktail to make? Which is the next like, question. I, oh yeah, uh, that, that, that happens. That, yeah, that's there you the go. Your favorite? Yeah. Which okay, there we go. I. I, like at the end of the day, this is hospitality. Yeah, like yeah. If we are not here to entertain ourselves at all. I want to find a way. I would redirect that question I, and ask, like, how has your day been? Like, yeah. what are you? How are you feeling today? I, mm-hmm. What's your What's your vibe? Yeah. And then I can go from there. And maybe maybe you need a daiquiri. Maybe you need a martini. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need an mm-hmm. old fashioned. Maybe maybe you want a. a a bijou like you just go yeah. off the rails from there but like it's more about the guest in front of you than it is about yeah yeah and deflecting that back to them i think that's, i typically yeah. always try i almost always try to deflect that question i think that like the difference between what do you make the best and what is your favorite thing to make are is like what do i make the best all of it i'm very good at my job it's kind of same. Uh, <laughs> what, what do i what is my favorite thing to make like mm-hmm. is there Sometimes I'll play with like, is there a technique that I like to use or whatever? Like for for the Roosevelt Room, we have a like our Sazerac. We throw the glass in the air to aerate the absinthe. And I'm just like, that's cool. I do kind of enjoy throwing a glass in. The that's air. cool. It's pretty fun. Yeah. But other than that, but I'm like, but other than that, like making a drink is making a drink is making a drink. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like, I don't mind shaking one drink over another or stirring one drink over another. Like. I like making drinks. That's why I do this. Yeah. It and also so, would put you in a position of like, if you answered that question, you're like, oh, I like to stir drinks, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, well, mm-hmm. I want something shaken. So that means you don't like making drinks for me. Yeah. Like, no, that's not. No, I'm not. Uh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. and I think another another the way I typically deflect that kind of question, like, what's your favorite drink to make? Or like, what's your favorite drink here? I'm typically like. I am not a picky drinker. I like a lot of flavors. I have a lot of different moods that I'm in. I'd love to hear what kind of mood you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Also, especially at the Roosevelt Room, where I like rarely go in and have the same drink twice Mm -hmm. because there's so many drinks just on the menu. People are like, what is your favorite drink here? I'm like, it totally depends on my mood. I don't even I don't think I've had every single drink on the menu. I'm I might be kind of getting there. But yeah, it's not time for us to change it. Yeah. <laughs> but not like I'm like, I think of some flavors. Think of yeah, it depends on the day then, I've had. It depends on the weather outside. Yeah. It what's your mood? Who what's you're your with? Vibe? Yeah. Like, what, depends on who you're yeah. with for sure. Did you just get off work or depends on what have you had a after. day off? Are you going? Yeah. Like yeah. maybe like if I'm going to a bar after this, I might not get a martini. Like I might get mm-hmm. something that's lower ABV. Like or if I'm pre-gaming for dinner, maybe exactly. I want something aperitivo. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I for me specifically, that's that's always the way that I try to do it. I'm like I don't dislike many drinks if they're good drinks Mm -hmm. so what do you want (laughs) all right could i have something that's not too sweet yes yes (laughs) what do you want don't order a sweet drink would you like lemon or lime (laughs) i also love like do you want something spirit forward 
Or do you want something like a little refreshing? Refreshing. Okay. I like that as I, opposed yeah. to like sweet. I say yeah. li- like, would you like something light and refreshing or would you like something more spirit forward? Would you like something in between? Because mm-hmm. uh, I think that that's, uh, that's a, that's a better leading question, at least from my end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not too sweet is a, I, I blame, <laughs> I blame boomers for this one. Um, As we do most things. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, <laughs> Let's go. Well, you know, like at, at the Roosevelt Room, we have a, a whole section of cocktails that's like a whole category of cocktails from the like 50s to the mid 90s called the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. And during that time, a couple things happened. You know, the this was like the advent of the jello mold this was the advent of sour mix this was the advent of the tv dinner this was when flavor that this this era was when flavor went to die mm. and everything was mass produced everything was canned was processed and, and canned and everything it was all about that ease of convenience. that post war convenience exactly mm-hmm. it was all it, about all, it always paste. comes back to world war 2 I mean, it really does. I mean, it, really... it comes. It comes back to two different things. It comes back to uh, World War II and Prohibition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for cocktails for specifically. Cocktails. Yeah. Uh, because with Prohibition, all of America's top bartenders moved away. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the ones that were good enough to continue doing the profession went straight to London. Went or... to Paris, London, uh, yeah. Cuba. Like yep. they were all over the place. American bartenders became a hot commodity everywhere else in the world mm. but they could they the ones that had the had the wherewithal were able to get out of the states and continue doing what they did mm-hmm. legally uh mexico i th- you know there were yeah. like ev- people were going everywhere uh and continuing their trade which meant that when prohibition ended like a lot of them didn't come back and so we were left with this kind of void of these people who had honed their craft weren't here anymore to fill that role anymore. So cocktail culture really, really stalled out in America after Prohibition, mm-hmm. like during and after mm-hmm. Prohibition. Oh yeah. So these these carefully crafted, well balanced drinks weren't being made. Uh, hence and, the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. Hence the Dark Ages, and all of the like World War II with convenience, like processed foods processed uh ingredients sour mix is so much more convenient than juicing a lime like all of these things you can just buy it and it's ready to go margarita mix all that stuff uh and it all came around between the 50s and 90s have people made like a 50s style jello mold but a giant jello shot with like veggies in it not that i'm aware of (laughs) and that sounds gross so cursed but like but I kind of want to do it and make a whole party around it. That would and be, be like, are you brave enough <laughs> to partake? Are you brave enough in the bun cake jello molds from hell? <laughs> yeah, yes, just jiggling. Thank you for the sound effect because I think everyone listening knows yes. exactly what you just did. Yeah, yes. um, I use my hands too. So. Yes, uh-huh. wiggle, yeah. wiggle, wiggle. Um, but yeah, jello mold, jello shot. So. Terrible but times. That, my point but is, all of these things, you know, sour mix, jello mold, all that stuff was mm-hmm. all kind of 
high fructose corn syrup was a thing. That's when it kind of came to be. And so hypersweet drinks were in fashion for a really long time. Yes. And so this, I think that that scarred a lot of people. And, you know, people are more health conscious these days and saying not too sweet is better than saying like, I'd like a skinny margarita or whatever. Yeah. Um, Which a skinny margarita is just a good margarita, right? A skinny margarita is, is. the OG skinny margarita was a Tommy's margarita. Yeah. Um, Which we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. They're Uh, delicious. I, I I would argue it's the prime margarita, but some people do disagree with me. Yeah. Um, but all of that to say, not too sweet. Like we're all we're all on the same page. I think we're starting to enter enter a world where nobody wants to drink things that are too sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like all want cloying, something with balanced and shake. not yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. hopefully that trend continues. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I feel comfortable in saying that a lot of programs that are out there are not um sending out too sweet of drinks Agreed. these days mm-hmm. which is good i and i also think it's really frustrating it and it became a pain point for me early on as a bartender uh the not too sweet thing mm-hmm. because it was just like i would i would they would say not too sweet and then i'd send out a daiquiri and i'm like i think that's a kind of sweet drink and people are like, this is amazing. This is exactly what I was looking for. Which I've, I like, we've talked about this before. Like, I've watched that happen. And it's kind of magical when, like, a man gets a daiquiri. And they're like, I thought this was going to be too sweet for me. But then they're like, this is, this is amazing. That's right. And, yeah. And, and it's so good. There, I think that there's an interesting thing. Like, I think a daiquiri is a fairly sweet cocktail. But I think it's less sweet than, say, a Negroni. Which is also a very sweet drink, but yes. it's, it's dominated by its bitterness. So a lot of people don't think of it as a sweet drink. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the sh- I mean the sugar content in a Negroni is way higher than a daiquiri. Uh, all of these things kind of muddy the waters in terms of just finding out what sweetness means to you. It's so subjective. Oftentimes, what I will ask after somebody says not too sweet is like, "What do you consider sweet?" But when we're talking about sweet drink, are we talking about like mm-hmm. a creamy dessert drink or are we talking about a margarita? Like, do you consider a margarita sweet? Yeah. Often the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you don't want a cup full of frosting. Got it. No. Yeah. We can make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Those are all the questions. Yeah. That's all the questions. And well, I think that that is very much all the time that we have. So much. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like it extra. is dark out now. Yeah, it's dark um, out. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us uh, mm-hmm. here on Bottle Episode. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, this was for, a pleasure. I'm thank really you so much. Yeah, this over. is yeah. a, a great time, and I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank uh, you for having so, me. do you so have fun. anything that you'd like to plug before you go? I mean, I think we we covered, covered a lot, a lot about a, about Patron. Um, you know, it's it's a wonderfully well made spirit. I one thing we didn't talk about was the people behind it, um, and how we support mm-hmm. our family there. Um, yeah. I can I can do that really quickly. Yeah, please yeah, do Go it. For it. Yeah. I can usually talk about this for like three hours, but okay. I'll, I'll and condense it to like two We can maybe minutes. put some more on our Instagram too. Oh, cool! And yeah, TikTok. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so at Hacienda Patron, the distillery in in um, Atotonilco, we have about twenty six hundred employees, mm-hmm. and they put their heart and soul into Patron, and what we do for them is little things and big things, but providing transportation uh to and from work we have a doctor on site 24 7 in a town that may not have had that type that hefty of medical support in the past um provide education and 
it's just incredible. And when you go there and you meet them, meet the people there, you truly see that like happy people make happy tequila. And that's, that's, I guess I'll end on that. Like Mm -hmm. happy people make happy tequila. And that's something I'm very proud of. And that's what opened my heart to this brand. And Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. Drink Patron. Uh, It's not just Mm -hmm. for shots anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Although, also, makes also a really for good shots. shots. Yeah. yeah, it's for everything. It's for all covers all your tequila needs. <laughs> uh, and if you have any questions for us, please uh, hit us up on Instagram, TikTok, DM us there, or you can email us at bottleepisode.com, a bottle episode <laughs> pod at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, if you like the podcast, please rate and review on iTunes, five stars. Spotify, five stars. Yeah, you can give five-star ratings on spotify yes you can so that's do that thing. that's finally yeah mm-hmm. uh and if you have less than five stars uh then i mean you couldn't le- you could leave it on there or you could just email us and talk to us about things we could do questions. better how we can improve uh <laughs> send us a question and also send us uh why you think we could do better because uh we are say it 50- to my face say it to our faces <laughs> <laughs> and also we we just like we're we're still pretty new at this and we're still trying to figure out exactly how to make the best podcast we can. We just got the intro down. We just got the intro yeah. down. Anyway. You've got stuff too, sorry. Yeah, I, I it's fine. Just again, if you if you have art like, oh no, I'm out of podcasts, I have another one called World is Burning about the climate crisis. The most recent episode is about King Charles and the potato famine. So if you want to talk here about imperialism and how it, uh, affected climate change and what we can, we can expect for from King Charles. <laughs> yeah, that's the podcast for you. So, yeah, that's all I have. We should also do a uh, crossover podcast on like Irish whiskey and uh, sustainability practices. Because you, you, I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask if you like what you do with the the uh, fibers or whatever. Oh you yeah, compost them. That's very cool. Yes. Um. So I'm glad we have you, a lot of sustainability it. practices. I would yeah. love to chat with you. Yeah. Like at more length on yeah. that. But yeah, honestly, that'd be yeah. so fun. Um, so yeah, maybe we can have a big crossover episode. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's what I do in my spare time. Incredible. Yeah. Well, uh, thank so you. So listen to that. And thanks for listening to this one. Thanks for listening to this one, everybody. Uh, yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> We'll be back soon. (laughs) Love you.